Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. Friends, it's a gift to be able to be with you today and worship and share today's message. Becca got to be a part of my ordination and installation back in my first call. I've gotten to know Dave and Becca for 10 years now when I was starting out in seminary, and it was just destined that we would serve in ministry together and continue to be colleagues in ministry together. And so it's a gift to be able to bring today's message to you. Let us pray. God, your spirit is already surrounding us in this space, but we ask that you would draw near to us now, speaking words of truth and affirmation and reminding us of your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our message today, it comes to us from the book of Joshua, chapters 3 and 4. And these chapters tell of the journey of the people of Israel across the Jordan River into that land, that land that God had promised to the people. But the journey begins much earlier in the story with Israel, and so I'm going to back up and give a little bit of context. The people had been in slavery in Egypt for generations, as you know, when God called on Moses to free the people from bondage and lead them into this new land, this new life. Moses, reluctant to say yes to God's invitation, as many of us are, did indeed say yes and was used by God to lead the people out of bondage and into the wilderness. Before there was a promised land, there was a lot of waiting and wondering A lot of waiting and wondering about what exactly God's plan here was. What was God thinking and where was God? Should they have even followed this Moses away from this life that they had only known? Those of us who grew up in church Sunday school rooms, like many of you might have, remember Moses looming large in our Sunday school Bibles, right? His story got to be told every year like a superhero, Moses, the baby in the basket. Moses, who God spoke to from that burning bush. Moses, who helped Israel flee from the Egyptians and parted that Red Sea. Moses' character looms large in our Bible storybooks, but Moses, like all leaders, had a team around him, supporting him, making it possible for Moses to do what God was asking him to do. There was his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron, and there was Joshua. Joshua enters the story as a military leader and becomes like an aide to Moses, leading troops in battle and even getting to accompany Moses up Mount Sinai that very first time God spoke the law. While Moses would, would lead Israel through the wilderness, Moses would not be the one to lead Israel into the promised land. That would be Joshua. After Moses' death, the Lord speaks to Joshua saying, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. 
because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So the people had come all of this way with Moses, and now Joshua was going to lead them the rest of the way. So the people, they were camped out at the edge of the river. They got to that Jordan River's edge, and Joshua tells them to get ready, to prepare themselves for this amazing thing that God was about to do that they were going to get to be a part of. Now, if you read Joshua 3 and 4 on your own straight through, it reads a little bit like a middle school essay. Do you remember that formula you learned when you first started like writing longer papers? Your introduction, tell them what you're going to tell them. Yes. (laughs) The body, tell them the thing. And then your conclusion, tell them what you told them. Do they still teach writing this way? Do we know? This was for sure how I learned middle school essays. And if you read Joshua 3 and 4, it kind of reads a little bit like that. There is a telling and a retelling and a telling again, all within a couple paragraphs, of how exactly God was going to get these people across this river. Scholars think of it kind of like a composite piece, multiple voices adding to the story. It's like if you asked a group of middle schoolers to tell you a story. Like a story from their mission trip, they would all talk over each other, starting, stopping, interrupting each other, retelling, re-emphasizing the same part of the story where the paint spilled in the rental van. This is definitely not based on a true story. (laughs) Either way, the repetition, it adds to the drama of all of it, and it, it helps you see this moment in the history of the people of Israel like it's unfolding before you. So here we are. We're finally at this moment where Joshua tells the people how they're going to get to the other side. They're going to have to follow the Levite priests. These priests have been the ones who are in charge of carrying the Ark of the Covenant the whole way. Ever since Moses received those tablets, they went into the Ark and it, it travels with them on their journey. It's a sign of God's presence with them. The priests, they were going to take the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people and, and go into the river. And when they did that, the, the river would stop moving. And they would stand still on dry ground. And the priests would hold up the Ark as every person in that tribe walked past them. And then the Lord told Joshua, Select twelve men from the people one from each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, carry them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. So Joshua selected the 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes, and he said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord of your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take up on your shoulder, take up a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign for you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. 
And later, after all of those people had passed by, when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the middle of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet, they touched dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their places and overflowed all of its banks as before. To get to the other side, to get to the next chapter in their story, the people of Israel needed the Ark of the Covenant, 12 stones, and their feet. To say it another way, to get to the other side, they needed the presence of the living God, testimony of what their God had done, and to pay attention to where they were walking. So we find the Israelites now on the opposite bank of the Jordan River. They have closed one chapter and are about to begin another one. We find them in transition on these banks of the Jordan. From who they've been to who God is calling them to be now. When we read these epic journeys in the scriptures, we should be reminded that where we are going matters. That where we place our feet matters. That who we walk with matters. As we stand on the banks of our Jordan rivers, looking out on all the various transitions that wait for us, it would be good for us to remember what helped Israel get to the other side. This is a story of transition in so many ways. But one of the ways it is a story of transition is a transition of leadership. Moses began this journey with the people of Israel, but he would not be the one to complete it with them. Leadership and trust needed to transition from Moses to Joshua for the people to make it into the land that God had promised. First, God was with Moses, and then God was with Joshua. God was with the people, regardless of who was in leadership. The Lord remained faithful to the people and to the promise, no matter who was at the front. Installation services like this one, in part, mark a transition of leadership for a local church. But I'm under very strict instructions not to make this message about how special and shiny Dave and Becca are, even though they are. And I'm not supposed to let you think that they are answers to your prayers, even though they might be. (laughs) Or that God is about to do something important because they are here with you. Even though my experience would tell you that's more than likely the case. In this season of transition for Knox Presbyterian Church, our passage today reminds us that it wasn't who was leading the people that mattered most or how quickly they could get to their next best thing. It was the presence of God with the people throughout their journey that mattered most. It was God's faithfulness to God's people that got them to the other side. 
And it will be God's faithfulness here at Knox Presbyterian Church that will be a part of the story that we tell about this season of transition. Our faith is built on stories of faithfulness, of answered prayers and resilience and clinging to promises of the past to get us to the hope of our future. That's why the people needed a testimony of what God had done that day so the faith of the community could be strengthened. So God told Joshua to have these men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to bring those stones together and make a physical marker of God's faithfulness that day. This pile of large stones would be a sign for the people that would be a way for them to tell their story, to tell their story to their children. A sign for future generations to keep walking, even when it looks hopeless. The stories of God's faithfulness help us not get lost. If you've ever done any hiking, specifically in the national parks, you might notice along the way these special trail markers where there have been rocks that have been built up together. They look a little bit like this. They're called cairns. And, and they're special trail markers to hikers that indicate which way a trail might turn or indicate to a hiker coming behind, stay the course, you're on the right path. We have these markers in our own lives, too. These moments of clarity, of revelation, of grace. Our faith is built on them. One of my favorite exercises to do with groups of people exploring their faith is something that we always call a faith timeline. Have you ever done one of these? You start with a blank piece of paper and you put your birthday on it, and you draw a line, kind of like those old timelines you'd see in history books. And, and you'd be asked to put down all of these significant moments, significant transitions, big losses, big wins, new babies, moving, grandparents dying, all of these things that make up our lives. And by the end of the exercise, you would then start asking questions like, well, where do we think God was during this time? And where did you feel God during this time? And not always, but most of the time, some of those big moments of transition were also the moments where we experience God's faithfulness. Maybe through a new friend or a new relationship or a community you didn't see coming. And in these exercises, I always kind of imagine these maps unfolding with little Karens, you know, little stacks of stones, evidence and signs of God's promises and God's faithfulness. Here's what I think is true. This moment that we're marking today of God calling Dave and Becca to be pastors here at Knox Presbyterian Church and Knox feeling that they were called to be here with them will show up in this ripple effect on these maps in our lives as little Karens. Little moments where we can say, yes, the living God that we profess in Jesus was a part of this. Yes, God was up to something. Yes, the God that has been faithful to Becca and Dave remains faithful to them here at Knox. And the God that has been faithful to Knox remains faithful today. 
We don't know what the testimony is going to be. We don't know what the story is yet. But we do know that we will have a story to tell because of what we are seeing God do today. To get to the other side, the people needed the presence of the living God, the testimony of what their God had done, and they needed to pay attention to where they were walking. The author spends time to talk about the priest's feet, which I just love that detail. I don't really love feet, but I love that detail and that powerful imagery. And maybe it's because I was the barefoot kid at church who took seriously the remove your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. The Bruners have some kids like that. I love that they talk about the priest's feet and where they stood on dry ground. Those priests who led the way with the Ark of the Covenant, when they stepped out, that was not water they wanted to be stepping out on. It was flooding at that time of year. But when they stepped, it was dry ground. And when every pair of feet had passed them, when their call had been completed in that moment, they stepped out of the river again and they stood on dry ground. These epic journey stories, they remind us that where we place our feet matters and who we walk with matters. We need people to help us find dry ground and walk with us as we figure out what our next steps are. Who we walk with matters. And Becca and Dave are the kind of people you want to walk with. Take it from me. They will encourage you and challenge you and invest in you so that they can see your walk with Jesus deepen just as they walk with Jesus as they walk with you. Today, the Bruners and Knox Presbyterian Church are placing their feet on the same holy ground and choosing to walk this next leg of the journey together. And it matters. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxpres.org.